So we're going to turn to our reading. Our reading is taken from Matthew chapter 8. Remember, we're carrying on a series called The Taxman's Ledger, looking at the reports of um, the taxman Matthew on the life of Jesus. And we've been going through chapter 8 these last four weeks. Matthew chapter 8 to 34. Matthew 8, 28 to 34. And I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from the large herd, some distance from them, a large herd of pigs were feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. May God bless to us that reading of his holy word. In 1998, I, for the first time, went to a training area in Poland called Drosko Pomonski. It was an old Soviet training area and took part in an exercise called Exercise Ulan Eagle. And I was part of 4 Armour Brigade, which is the brigade famous for its work in Africa. They used to be called the Desert Rats. Though the area we deployed to in 1998 in Poland wasn't so much a desert, but veld land, lots of old forests and moorland all around. But the thing that really stands out in my mind from that experience with 4 Armour Brigade was at night, if there was no moon, you were in total darkness. I've never experienced darkness like it. There was absolutely no ambient light. And part of our training in the military is at night time, we oper operate by what's called a strict light regime, which means no lights whatever. You can't use a torch, you can't use a lamp. If anyone has a cigarette, they've got to conceal totally the glow of their cigarette. Total light, uh, total absence of light, and with no starlight, with no moonlight, it was so dark of a night time, you couldn't even see the hand in front of your face. We had to run what was called comms calls from all our harbour areas and, and our, our tents and our dugouts to go from where we were around the camp because you couldn't see anything, and that included going from your tent to the toilet because you couldn't find the way. I remember one night I'd been out to the toilet, I was in the way back into the tent, and I walked straight into someone coming out of the tent, and both of us banged our heads together because you couldn't see people. It was that dark. I didn't actually realize I hit him until I suddenly saw stars in my head from the collision of our two skulls. Total darkness. I wonder what experiences you've had of darkness. And of course, there is another kind of darkness, the type that Jesus discovered in the region of the Gadarenes, a spiritual darkness, 
a spiritual force, a spiritual oppression that's not only something of sight but is actually physically tangible. Something that comes as a consequence of tampering with the occult and with darkness and with the prince of darkness. This is a very interesting passage to read because here we find Jesus coming face to face, confronted by evil. Not that he met some cloven, hoofed figure. Not that he met someone who was sporting a goatee and had horns protruding from his skull and was cloven, hoofed. That's the common picture that you see painted in the medieval period, the, the picture of the devil incarnate, a common artistic motif used in churches and religious buildings in the medieval period. Why was that? Well, it's because the people couldn't read. The people couldn't write. And they had to depend upon the fact that artists in the frescoes and in stained glass would tell the parables of the stories of the Bible in a physical form. All the religious rites in those days conducted by the priests was conducted by Latin and people in England didn't speak Latin. The Bible still hadn't been translated into English. People couldn't understand, couldn't read. They depended upon the frescoes to convey an image of what was going on in the Bible. And there the artists decided to use their license to have this monstrous figure with horns and cloven hooves to convey the picture of Old Nick or the devil. But the Bible doesn't describe the devil in this way. The Bible describes the devil as Lucifer, the angel of light, Beelzebub, a fallen angel, an angelic being but has fallen, and who's a chameleon and doesn't come so conveniently disguised that you can recognize him instantly. In fact, the Bible tells us he can often come as an angel of light. Jesus discovers evil physically on that road in the Gadareans by two men under his influence, two men under his influence and the influence of lesser demons. Matthew writes in verse 28, when he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two men possessed men coming from the tombs to meet him. And the first thing I want you to notice in this passage is just that, where darkness dwells. Where darkness dwells. You need to understand a little bit about this scene that Jesus faces on this journey. You see, Matthew only records his stories of the Lord Jesus, his, his, his historical accounts, to declare to us something about the nature of the mission of Jesus. And in this chapter, chapter 8, it's all about revealing to the disciples and to his, and to his audience the authority of Jesus Christ. And so he writes... When Jesus arrived in the other side of the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. These men were coming from the tombs. They were coming from the place of the dead. You see, this is where darkness dwells. Darkness doesn't dwell with the living, with the light, or with the good. It dwells with the darkness with corruption, with decay, with the dying. This is why I believe very strongly as a Christian minister that we should never play with things to do with the dead and festivals to do with the dead. 
Some people think I'm being unfair and unkind when I say we shouldn't get involved in Halloween, but I really believe that because Halloween isn't the festival of the light. The following day, All Saints Day is, a day to celebrate the saints who have died, those who have gone before. That's a wonderful celebration of light. The very reason Halloween occurs, it does, on the eve of All Hallows is because it's an evil event. It's a time of darkness. When we dress our children or dress ourselves in the clothes of darkness, it's not fun. We're playing with something that is evil and something that always will hurt us in one way or another. In my experience, darkness always bites. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Not because God enjoys torturing anyone, but because God hates darkness. Because darkness causes pain and torture to light and to the people of, of, of this world. He passionately hates anything that harms his people. Like you as parents would passionately hate anything that harmed your children. God hates and detests things that cause suffering, pain. And we're told in the Bible there'll be no more mourning, no more crying, no more death. For the old, old, older things has passed. And darkness and death will be consigned forever into hell. And these demons knew that they were on borrowed time. They shout, have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? But Jesus wasn't there to torture anyone. He was there to get rid of the darkness that was torturing two men. He was there to liberate. He was there to free. He was there to get rid of the oppression, to get rid of the possession, to get rid of the control, to get rid of the pain and the suffering that began to take over the lives of these two men. You see... Darkness speaks lies because the father of darkness is the father of lies. We're told this in John 8 verse 43. Satan is described as the father of lies. In fact, the very name devil in Greek means slanderer. Someone who brings untruth. The other name for the devil, Satan, is Hebrew and simply means the adversary or the enemy. And the Bible describes Satan. You know, he is someone who looks around for someone to attack, 1 Peter 5. He's described as the accuser of Christians in Revelation 12. He is seen as the deceiver, as we see from the very early books of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3. And he's also a murderer. And when Jesus is confronted by those people trying to kill him, he says this. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. John 8, chapter 44. So when Jesus meets darkness in these two men, he comes not to bring torture, he comes to bring freedom. So we first note where darkness comes from, where it dwells. And lastly, I want to notice what darkness does. What darkness does. Because darkness generates fear. No one could walk down that road because of those two violent men. 
They were living among the tombs, which meant that the people couldn't go and do the equivalent of laying flowers on their, on their loved ones' tombs. They couldn't visit the graves of their dead and honor the memory of their dead. They couldn't even pass that road commercially or just simply for a walk. They were at fear. They couldn't walk down that road. And darkness's work is to generate fear. And we live in a world that's full of fear because the world is full of darkness. On the internet, people are arguing with each other. There's extremism on both sides. And so many discussions now, we've lost the ability to reason. And when we lose the ability to reason, that's always the sign that darkness has taken over. The reason why demonstrations and protests turn so quickly to violence in our, in our land is because darkness is taking over. Violence is a tool of, violence is a tool of darkness. The living God is a faith generator. Satan is a fear generator. And when we see fear generated in our world, on the internet and around, on our papers, we know that darkness is winning. Because darkness always wants to take us on the road to the grave. But the Bible is quite clear about fear. 1 John 4 verse 18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. You know, those demons feared Jesus. You see that when you read that passage. They were terrified of Jesus. They were terrified of him. Because they feared the judgment they would one day face. But Jesus died in our place. We don't fear death. And we don't fear God because we have the cross. And upon it, the crucified body of the Lord Jesus Christ dying in your place and my place he is there for us he has paid the price of sin and judgment in our place that's why John says there is no fear in love but perfect life drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment and you and I as believers as people following the Lord Jesus don't have to fear punishment because Jesus bore the punishment for us on that cross And that very same passage tells us that God is not a God of torment. He is a God of love. Verse 7, love comes from God. Verse 7, God is love. Verse 8, God is love. And God's love even reaches to these two men who become consumed by darkness. Jesus doesn't discuss with them how it happened. He doesn't ask them how they got into this mess to detail, narrate the story that led to them being on that road, confronting him coming from the tombs. He doesn't ask them about how, what made them so violent. He doesn't ask them about what made them spreading misinformation. He simply commands the darkness to go. And what Matthew is doing here wonderfully is reminding us of Jesus' authority even over darkness and over the forces of evil. All through this chapter, chapter 8, you've seen the authority of Jesus displayed. Jesus' authority over leprosy, that hideous disease of which there was no cure in his time, in verses 1 to 4. You see him he commanding illnesses to leave people in verses 5 to 11 of chapter 8. 
He heals many people in verses 14 to 17. We even see him having authority over the elements of the earth, the wind and the rain and the storm upon a boat, upon Lake Galilee, in verses 23 and 27. And now Matthew brings you towards the end of his passage, and he says, even over the powers of darkness, the powers of violence, the powers of misinformation, the powers of fear, even over these powers, Jesus is Lord. We note in verse 31, the demons beg Jesus. The people scared in this passage is not Jesus Christ. The people scared in this passage are those consumed with darkness. The demons beg Jesus. If you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. You know, there's this common myth that's so wrong in our world that Jesus is some kind of weak Lord. And you get rubbish songs like Christy Berg. Spanish train that came out in 1975. And that story that the, the, the Chris Berg sings about, Spanish train, has this idea of Jesus playing cards with the devil and the devil's winning because the devil's more cunning than he is. What a nonsense. What rubbish. Dualism, the philosophy, the religious philosophy that teaches that light and darkness are in perfect harmony and perfect balance is totally wrong. Yin and yang, this idea that you've got this battle between light and darkness is totally wrong. Darkness is not imbalanced with light. Darkness has lost the war, as well as losing the plot. Darkness is losing because Jesus is Lord. These demons beg Jesus because they were terrified of him. They were terrified of him. It was great that um, I hadn't mentioned to uh, Tim earlier on his talk. He actually quotes a verse that I've got in my message here, James 2.19 earlier on. Great, great the way the Holy Spirit works. Um, about faith. James says about faith, you believe there is one good, good. Even the demons do that and shudder. Evil is terrified of God because God has won. And evil and darkness is in its death throes. This is why God calls for us to have faith. We've got to believe and act because we are on the winning side, people. Death is in its last throes because Jesus has the most powerful name on earth. Read Colossians verse, chapter 1, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of a church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in him everything, so that in, sorry, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Jesus confronted two demon-possessed individuals, but it wasn't he who was scared, but these individuals. And they begged him. And Matthew is telling us here that Jesus is Lord, not just of the church, He's the Lord over everything, even over the powers of darkness and the devil. These demons knew it. Do you? Do you know the power of the Lord Jesus? And we are in the midst here of the death throes of darkness. You see, when Jesus came to this planet, he came like we did on D-Day. And when we invaded France, we weren't invading France, we invaded Nazi, not the powers of Nazi Germany. 
on D-Day when we, we launched across the channel and went into France. That's the point at which Hitler be began to lose the war. And he was still commanding his troops in a bunker in Berlin, but in effect he had lost the war. He had lost the battle. He just wouldn't admit it yet. C.S. Lewis wrote a great series of um, radio talks in the, in the Second World War, initially to be broadcast among crews of the Royal Air Force. And it was taken into a book, a very famous book, called Mere Christianity. And C.S. Lewis says this wonderful quotation here. He says, enemy occupied territory. That is what the world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say, landed in disguise. And is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. We are sabotaging the darkness with the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Satan has lost the war. Jesus triumphed over the darkness and the devil. And there's that wonderful verse, and I really commend you to learn it by rote. Learn it by heart. Colossians 2 verse 15. There Paul says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus triumphs over evil and darkness by the cross, which is why he can command these spirits to leave these two demon-possessed men. He has won the battle, and we are on the winning side. And we may suffer, we may have pains and sorrows, we may still lose people as happened after D-Day, but we are on the winning side, and when we get to Berlin, that bunker will be blown apart, and the king of darkness will be defeated and thrown forever into hell. You know, this wonderful story is Matthew saying, your Lord has the power and the ability to even command evil spirits and cast them out and bring faithful people. And this passage is a reminder for us to be careful, not to get involved in the wickedness that's out there, or even to play with the darkness in whatever forms you may encounter in your communities, in your streets, but to carry the light of Jesus and the faith of in your Lord Jesus to command in the authority of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has power even over darkness, power even over the forces of the, of the evil one. Because he is Lord. Carry that message in your heart. Grow your faith. Read your Bible. Feed your faith. Believe in. Follow. And even command the evil that you see in this world to leave this world through prayer and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.